fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, wow. Well, we have more uh, unfolding with regard to the speakership. And today we're going to be covering a lot of fraud, waste, and abuse going into Ukraine and the laundering schemes that have been happening. And the reason why... Uh, I am reminded of Ukraine is because Speaker McCarthy, number a couple of things, M- Speaker McCarthy was ousted in large part because he was wearing the U- Ukrainian uh, lapel handkerchief or the, vet, the handkerchief in his pocket, pocket handkerchief. And in addition, he he's been funneling the money, uh, funneling endless amounts of money to Ukraine. And I think that it's starting to be found out that a lot of the uh, infrastructure that's going on in the Beltway is riddled with corruption, and Ukraine is the cesspool of corruption. It is the laundering center. And we've all heard those things We've all heard them time and time again. Um, but there's a little bit more detail to it now. And this is not the first time that this kind of thing has been going on, but Ukraine's been meddled with for quite some time. You know, since well before 2014, but Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Pyatt from the State Department and our CIA guys like Kofor Black sitting on the board of Burisma, hobnobbing and working directly with the Biden crime family and Hunter Biden and his cohorts. And you say, well, why Ukraine, though? Of all the countries in the world, why Ukraine? Well, Ukraine was sort of a natural uh, 
problem and solution and threat to Russia. And our conflict with Russia had started prior to 2014. It started it started as far back as when Russia was in Afghanistan. And then they left Afghanistan. And then 9-11 happened. And next thing you know, we find ourselves in Afghanistan. And then we decide to bomb the crap out of Iraq. And deal with, you know, and empower Iran and empower the Saudis. And we really festered a, we created a, you know, the hotbed of tumultuous um, infighting, whether it be the Houthis and the the, uh, Saudi Arabs um, going at it in Yemen or elsewhere. But Ground zero there for a long time was Syria and ISIS and the beheadings of the journalists that they didn't want covering the news stories that were coming out of Iraq, which involved the overthrow of Libya and the overthrow of Egypt, the destabilization of the region, which greenlit pipeline oil going into Africa in trade with precious metals the emerging climate uh, uh, response, which was going to be electric vehicles. It was decided. And all these people got invested, got the land rights, got the mining rights. Freeport McMoran and Emperex and the Biden crime family using Chinese money. All were involved. You got the French, you know, trading worthless colonial francs for gold. You got the oil going into the uh, Iraqi oil that nobody owned because Saddam Hussein was dead. Qaddafi was dead. Mubarak was ousted in Egypt. And the destabilization from the Bush dynasties and the Cheney dynasties and the Halliburtons of the world and the Enrons, all of this stuff was embroiled in money-making opportunities. Kofor Black and Mitt Romney were profiting greatly from Afghanistan in the early millennial. Millennium. And uh, this was all going on. But Russia and Syria were joined at the hip. They were best friends. And so therefore, they were never going to allow Syria to be overtaken like Libya, like Egypt. And so that became, then Lindsey Graham and John McCain decided they needed a new route. They needed a new leverage piece against Russia. And that involved Ukraine because Ukraine was so close to the border. And Ukraine, there was leverage there because they wanted into NATO and NATO was told in no uncertain terms, you can't, you can't bring Ukraine in. That would be an act of war. That would be a threat, an existential threat to Russia. We're not, Russia wasn't going to allow that to happen. And so there was this constant push. And then Nord Stream 2 was being built by Gazprom, the Russian energy company that competed 
probably with Burisma, worked probably in coordination with Burisma, and liquid natural natural gas and things like that. But that's why the Keystone Pipeline was so important as well, and that's why energy independence was so important, and that's why the price of the barrel of oil was so important, because when the prices of oil are high, Russia gets rich quick. When the prices of oil are low, Russia has to do a lot of business to to make enough money to get rich and to be able to afford invasions. And Trump made that clear that one of the, uh, you know, talk is cheap, that although everybody tried to say that Trump was friends with Putin, it was his policies that were the strictest and hardest on Putin. If anything, Putin wanted a Hillary Clinton or a Joe Biden or a Barack Obama. And he walked all over him. Under Bush, he invaded Georgia. Under Obama, he invaded Crimea. And under Biden, he invaded Ukraine. He didn't invade anybody during the Trump years because Trump knew that Nord Stream 2 would never happen, that G8 from G7 would never happen. You know, and so Trump put carrots out there, not sticks, and poked the Russian bear with a lot of goodies and said, look, if you play your cards right, we'll bring you into the G7, make it a G8. We'll make you rich. We'll green light Nord Stream 2. We'll basically bring you into the uh, nations of Europe and you'll become a legitimate partner. The Cold War is over. But these monsters on the left started this Cold War once again. And the reason why nothing is getting done and the reason why we have such chaos is because we have been overtaken by the globalists and the corruption and the laundering schemes. I wrote this. Ukraine laundering is when strings are attached with billions of dollars billions of tax dollars sent to Zelensky that require involvement by the Brookings Institution, the Atlantic Council, West Exec, which was Anthony Blinken's operation, Albright Stonebridge Group, Ridgeline, and a whole bunch of other military-industrial-complex-friendly consulting groups PR groups and lobbying groups that work with Raytheon and a whole bunch of other military industrial complex corporations that are owned by, guess what, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and conditioned through philosophical world geopolitics uh, as hatched out in the World Economic Forum and the globalist movement, which incorporates climate, digital currency, pandemics. And this is why Fauci was a oper- operative, a clandestine operative in the wheels of government, working hand-in-glove with the CIA, the State Department, USAID, which USAID is the money arm of the State Department, and the CIA is the enforcer of the State Department, 
And then you have the corrupt DOD, the woke Pentagon, bunch of transvestites pushing a woke agenda and and all kinds of different quota-based systems. They mandated pandemic vaccines. They mandated all this stuff. They are so corrupt. All of their retirees are on the boards of Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and the works, and a whole bunch of other groups. And they're working hand in glove with senators like John McCain, or John McCain's dead, but uh, Lindsey Graham, and Amy Klobuchar, and their money backers like Poland, the guy who owns the Minnesota Twins, or Mitt Romney, who works hand in glove with Kofor Black, a mercenary operator, a CIA director, and someone who is the advisor to Mitt Romney in the 2012 election. Just ask Rick Grinnell. So, yeah, all of this stuff is going on. And it involves right now Ukraine. But how we got there was because of Syria and the Middle East, these refugee crises and these influx of refugees all over the world, whether it's boat shipments, I should say German boat shipments, dropping off thousands and thousands of Africans into Italy, and now they're being forced to dump them off in Germany, or our open border and Mayorkas and Biden. This is all to keep the corporations happy with their cheap labor, And at the same time, rig elections with illegal voter registrations that get conveniently turned into ballots that work really well with early early, uh, voting and mail-in balloting, where every ballot that gets created is sent out into, into the world, only to be picked up at secret addresses by ballot harvesters who forge and fill out and drop off with masks on in the groups of thousands of ballots that will be counted after election night results are in so they know exactly how many votes, how many skids of ballots they need because all the skids of ballots are Democrat. We cannot survive as a country under these conditions. Now, we're going to start the show off today. If you want to call that a start, that's a long open. But um, with a couple of things that are going on um, with regard to the speakership, frankly, I think anything other than a Trump, an interim Trump speakership, is a failed opportunity, is a missed opportunity, is a lost opportunity for several reasons. It would poke a hole in the eye of the uh, Mitch McConnell. It would slap across the, you know, bow. <laughs> um, Ronna McDaniel, I mean, basically she's running the RNC into the ground, right? And it would be a wake-up call for Ronna McDaniel. It would be a uh, slap across the face to Mitch, Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, and uh, I should put it that way anyway, 
And the uh, it would be a wake-up call to the RNC. It would put Trump front and center with free PR. And it would take the wolves, all of these Jack Smith and Letitia James and and the Fulton County um, bogus political politicized indictments. And it would neutralize all of them because you can't go after the third in line to the throne of the United States, the speakership. So it would do all those things. But one of the things, and the reason why I brought up Ukraine first, is because it's turning out that the common denominator for the new speaker is that they mustn't, they must never and not fund and finance Ukraine, particularly without an audit. And they must be serious about building border security and not finance anything that has to do with the Biden open border agenda. So, we are going to start, and that would involve Jim Jordan, and that would involve Donald Trump, and that would involve Steve Scalise, and those are your front runners right now for the speakership. So we're going to take a listen to what Trump had to say yesterday in the New York courthouse, and this is what he had to say. That's not a no. I'm sure you don't read too much in the papers, but we're leading by like 50 points for president. My focus is totally on that. If I can help them during the process, I would do it. But we have some great people in the Republican Party that could do a great job as speaker. Well, what about you? Marjorie Taylor Green called me to be speaker yesterday. I think she's a wonderful woman, Marjorie. A lot of other people are for that, too. I'll do whatever it is to help, but... My focus, my total focus is being president and, quite honestly, making America great again. Uh, a lot of people have been calling me about speaker. All I can say. All right, so there you have it. And um, that is, and then just this morning, President Trump tweeted or truthed this out. I am running for president, have a 62-point lead over Republicans, and am up on crooked Joe Biden despite the Democrat Party's massive lawfare, weaponization, and election interference efforts by 4 to 11 points, depending on which poll. And I've seen all of those polls, and that's accurate. I think it's an average of 10 points, and I think that's even a misnomer. I can't even imagine why they're even 10 points apart. They should be 50 points apart. But the Democrats just are lacking any kind of brain power, it seems like. They, they love this. They love this two standards of justice and this censorship. And, and they believe and buy into all this BS related to climate. They don't care that the proof is already out about climate. The proof is already out about pandemics and COVID vaccines. They don't care about the truth. They just care about power. But will 
He says, I'm up four to 11 points over Cooker Joe, but we'll do whatever is necessary to help with the Speaker of the House selection process. Short term until the final selection of a great Republican Speaker is made. A Speaker who will help a new but highly experienced president, me, make America great again. All right. So that's that. And then Eric Biden. Er, I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, wash my mouth out with soap. Eric Trump. Oh, my God. Wash my mouth. Well, shut my mouth. <laughs> I'd say that I misspoke. And here we go. Eric Trump saying how great it would be for Speaker Trump. Dad's name has been floated for Speaker. Is Would he take it? Is he motioning for it? Come on. I, I mean, personally, I think it'd be the coolest damn thing in the entire world. You know, I, I would make sure he got a bigger gavel than the small little one that they have. Like, I, I think, I think Trump needs like a. You could make it. You're a huge. craftsman, like a, a huge gavel. And, but honestly, I think he would put, bring the party together in a great way. He has tremendous respect um, among that body. He has tremendous respect for a lot of the people in there. But we need to start fighting the actual enemy, which is a crooked president in a crooked family who has profited for far too long off the United States of America. We got to start pointing our guns at, at them instead of ourselves. And, you know, typical Republicans that, you know, the infighting and especially, you know, in you know, they stayed on message because those are the two messages that were resonating. And, you know, the one thing about the Trumps is they know how to stay on message. So Cat Turd writes this. Good morning to everyone. Day three of no Speaker McCarthy, and my life hasn't changed one bit. I guess politics, politicians don't matter as much as they think they do. And that's true. Marjorie Taylor Greene. We only have one cho- choice to save America, Alex, and it's President Trump. I've supported President Trump from the beginning, just like you have President Trump has a four-year proven record. His policies were working. His policies were stopping the globalists. His policies were against the communists. Plus, they hate policies- him more than anybody. I mean, my God, they, they, they act like he's a high noon to a vampire. That's right. They do hate him more than anybody. And you know who hates them the most? Washington, D.C. So I'm going into this next speaker's race, and the only candidate I am supporting is Donald John Trump. Yeah. Because Washington, D.C. needs to be reminded. This town needs to wake up and accept the fact that Republican voters all over the country want him back in the White House. He's the only leader of the Republican Party, and he truly is the only person that we can trust to save America. And through that, Alex, that is saving the world. And there's many people all over the world hoping and praying that we put... President Trump. Well, you know what? I I played that uh, Victor Orban from Hungary who said that. He said the only one that can avoid World War III is Donald Trump. And he said, say what you will, but Donald Trump's foreign policy was the best. This is what Victor Orban said from Hungary. And then you got the leader from Croatia calling out the World Economic Forum and the WHO as the cartel of all cartels and more deadly than the World Economic Forum is how he couched it. Then you have Serbian presidents, uh, president actually embracing and rewarding people for having family day parades instead of tranny uh, LGBTQ parades. They got it right. 
Here's another interview uh, with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Is Speaker Trump a real possibility? Well, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted this. The only candidate for Speaker I am currently supporting is President Donald J. Trump. He will end the war in Ukraine. He will secure the border. He will end the politically weaponized government. She continued on with a lot of really great reasons for Donald Trump to be Speaker. But uh, let's just go ahead and bring her in right now. Let's do that. Congresswoman, uh, have you spoken to President Trump? about your uh, very public sort of nomination of him. I, I think they've let him know. I'm sure I'll be talking with him today. But here's the deal. Now that we have an opportunity to elect a new speaker, I'm going to force Washington to realize and remember that the American people support President Trump. He is winning the primary overwhelmingly. No one's even close to him. He's also beating Joe Biden in poll after poll. And he has a proven four-year record as president of having the greatest policies in my lifetime. We want him back as president. So why not make him speaker of the house, even if it's an interim speaker, while we work to find another speaker? Um, I think the house should support it. I think every Republican should support President Trump because he has supported them. President Trump endorses more Republican candidates across the country than anyone else, and his endorsements win, and they work. So I'm going to force anyone that wants to run for speaker, the only way to earn my vote is to beat President Trump and match his policies. Well, and the policies are mandated. Uh, you have you cannot support the Ukraine war uh, like that. So you just can't. Like, I didn't even like Kevin McCarthy wearing a stupid handkerchief that's blue and yellow in his uh, vest pocket. Uh, here is something I played yesterday, but I'll play it today. Uh, this is Mar- Matt Gates. I didn't even bring up Trump as speaker. A reporter asked me about it, and I responded honestly. And frankly, Speaker Trump has a great ring to it. <laughs> and then he puts the shades on. It's kind of funny. But this is Matt Gates, uh, the latest clip related to this. Do you want uh, ex-President Trump uh, to be speaker? I would. Have you talked to him about it? I have. And what did he say? Oh, I keep my conversations with the former president uh, between the two of us. All right. Do you, think that house, do you want uh, ex-President Trump uh, to be speaker? I would. Have you talked to him about it? I have. What did he say? Oh, I keep my conversations with the former president uh, between the two of us. Oh, this is just a, it's a, it's a minute and 10, but it loops. Oh, I should have paid closer attention to that. Okay. Charlie Kirk writes this. Jim Jordan is already checking a lot of boxes. He's a no for more Ukraine funding. He's a yes on closing the border. He's a yes on drastically cutting spending. He's a yes on fighting the DOJ. He's a yes on single-subject spending. Single-subject spending is not sexy the way it sounds, but it's probably the most important feature in that whole list. And this is what Matt Gates was contending the whole time. Jim Jordan... Uh, for House Speaker. Okay, so Charlie Kirk is on the Jim Jordan train. I don't like the way Jim Jordan was waffling about the question, but then again, that's because he had a vested interest. And so he was basically saying, I would support Trump as Speaker, but I, I want him in 1600. And we played that clip. 
Let's listen to Jim Jordan on the floor. I think we have three objectives this Congress. Three fundamental things we have to get done in the 118th Congress. First, pass the bills that fix the problems. In two years' time, we have, went, we, we have a border that is no longer a border. We have a military that can't meet its recruitment goals. We have bad energy policy, bad education policy, record spending, record inflation, record debt, and a government that has been weaponized against we the people, against the very people we represent. And so we, we, and he is the chair of the Weaponization Committee. We need to pass legislation to address all that. And I hope my Democrat colleagues will join me. I really do. But I have my doubts. And if they don't, and if Chuck Schumer says, no, we're not going to take up that legislation that we pass, and if Joe Biden won't sign it, so be it. They'll have to, they'll have to answer to the people in 2024. Second, second, we can never, ever let a bill like the one that passed 12 days ago, $1.7 trillion spent, we can never, ever let that kind of legislation pass again. That's a winning argument right there. That's getting back to the single item uh, voting instead of the omnibus. He's saying never again will we allow an omnibus. And the other part that he said there that I like a lot is that he's basically saying that we are not going to do what typical speakers and leaders do uh, in the Senate or the, the speakership in the House. We're not going to tip, uh, not put something to the floor just because it has no chance of winning. We are going to put issues to the floor and, and, and make, require that the congressmen and women vote on these bills so that we know where they stand, so that they could be more accountable to the people. To me, that's not a waste of time to put a bill you know is going to fail on the floor for a vote because we as peop- as we the people want to know how our representatives are voting and too often they say well I didn't vote on that because there were so many other things that they piled on so they got away with it right single item votes you are accountable for that one particular vote on that one particular issue and that brings, that restores power to the people. It's so important. We have, to, we have to pass a budget that makes sense, that's good common sense, then do the 12 appropriation bills that, that, are, that recognize it's the people's money, not ours. And send it to the Senate and then stand firm on that legislation. And again, if they won't take it up and Joe Biden won't sign it, we can stand firm on a CR or something. We can have that fight, but we are not going to have what took place a week and a half ago ever happen again. And then finally, third, and this is important, we got to do the oversight, well, the do House the investigations. We have to do the oversight and the investigations that need to be done. This idea that bureaucrats who never put their name on a ballot but think they run the country who have assaulted our constituents' First Amendment liberties, they need to be held accountable. That has to happen. We need to do it. (laughs) 
If he gets in, though, it's kind of a, a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth because Dennis Haster was the Speaker of the House. He, too, was a wrestler. And Jim Jordan was a great wrestler. And the thing is, is that Haster went down in flames and in shame for being a pedophile and child molester. So, you know, it's a little bit uh, weird that way. Um, Here is another one. This is uh, one of my favorite pundits these days, Natalie Winters. And here's what she had to say about the speakership. I mean, I think it'll take Donald J. Trump for speaker. And I and I don't say that just for, for the clicks, but I say that because you need someone who is outside of the system. You need someone who is not beholden, um, not just, you know, we talk about Democrats and plug and play like Gavin Newsom, but some plug and play leadership hack. You know, I'm glad that names like Jim Jordan and Scalise and Donalds have been floated. But remember where they were on the CR. Remember where they were on actually defunding the government. People like that, and that's where I think maybe the only sort of sobering moment for me is like, well, I'm glad we got Kevin McCarthy out, but maybe it was a fool's errand because who do we replace him with, right? There's not that many great people. I would argue it should be one of the eight that voted to oust him, but I don't think that they could ever garner the votes because the lobbyists and donors and special interests would never allow it. Um, But fundamentally, we need someone like Donald Trump um, because otherwise, I I mean, I, I think that Jim Jordan's of the world, I think, unfortunately, I mean, sure, they're marginally better than Kevin McCarthy, um, but they still have the conflicts of interest. They're still a part of that, that fundamental, the apparatus that is the uniparty um, that I think at the end of the day, the fealty is to them. It's not to the voters. Um, and you need someone like Donald J. Trump who can actually shake things up and who doesn't have, you know, the fact that Kevin McCarthy never kicked Nancy Pelosi out of the hideaway office, I think that sort of indirectly proves that the uniparty exists and that Nancy Pelosi probably had some sort of blackmail on him or he's just a true beta male, like you've always said. Um, But these people work in lockstep and you need someone who is above the fray and empirically battle-tested, battle-proven. That man is and always has been Donald J. Trump. Wow. So I thought that was really great. Um, Natalie Winters, uh, you should check her out. Follow her if you can. Um, Here's something she said. Uh, We played a long clip. We played this long clip yesterday with her. Um, But uh, I want to play this clip of her right here. So this is one where She's basically saying Democrat politicians are now getting six-figure lobby contracts from the Ukraine government. Let's take a listen. As the country collapses, then they made on when the country was ascendant. Natalie Winters, walk through what you got for us on Ukraine the last couple of days. Sure, it's not just managed decline, it's accelerated decline. I said that yesterday and I stand by it. And two of the stories that we just put out today, I think really underscore that theory i'll start with the first one but a former democratic congressman jim moran who of course became a lobbyist 
uh, after leaving Washington, D.C. Believe it or not, one of his new clients as of about six days ago is the Ukrainian government. He's receiving $25,000 a month for at least a year to basically lobby his former colleagues to give them more foreign aid in the form of weapons, arms, and I'm sure billions of taxpayer dollars. But what's so curious is that I actually obtained the letter detailing the agreement between Moran Global Strategies um, and the Ukrainian government ministry showing uh, their, to- their terms of work, the payment. And what's so interesting is that the payment you can see in red on the screen there not actually coming from the government ministry. It's coming from a shady nonprofit that basically you can't even find online. You know, I, an investigative reporter, I can find almost about anything. There's absolutely no trace of this entity. It's a group very uh, innocuously named Ukraine Freedom. And that is who is funneling the money to this D.C.-based consulting firm, like I said, a former Democratic member of Congress, who's now making what will be at the end of the year six figures, just lobbying his old colleagues to give Ukraine more taxpayer dollars. You always talk about socializing the risk in this country and the elites getting the upside. The Ukraine war is no different. And on the Victoria Newland front, which dovetails with the story that I put up yesterday, this is, of course, one of the key figures back in 2014. She was really an instrumental person in orchestrating what many have called a coup in Ukraine to oust the democratically elected president. So it's very curious to me that what the data we've obtained from White House visitor logs so not only that she was meeting with Joe Biden in the very privately in the very early days of the Ukraine-Russia war, but the timing around when she meets with Joe Biden, for example, June 8th of this year was the very same day that the DOD released billions more to Ukraine for more weapons that they don't need. But I think the real smoking gun here, Steve, when you talk about the you know global basement that is Ukraine and who is really pulling the strings, in the early, early days of the conflict, July 19th of 2022, Uh, The White House, I would argue, fabricated this intelligence report that Russia was planning to annex parts of Ukraine. And if you read the report, they say just like they did in 2014. In other words, they were taking Victoria Nuland's old 2014 talking points, refashioning, repurposing them. And they used that so-called intel report to justify for months giving Ukraine billions more in aid. So it's the same people. And I think that it really underscores the point that this has never been about Ukraine, never been about the actual fighting going on there. It's always been about these Western elites, the Newlands of the world, Jim Rands of the world, trying to create another forever war so they can continue to launder and funnel U.S. taxpayer dollars back into their pockets. So are you getting that? Are you picking up on this? This is what's happening. What's happening is money is being greenlit by the Biden administration. And it's being sent out to Ukraine. Ukraine, and it's being sent out to Ukraine with strings attached, meaning that they're told how to spend the money. Just like any donor of any organization You give the money, and in this case, we're giving money to Ukraine, and we're telling them who they need to work with, what they need to do, and how we expect them to spend their money. And so we're putting strings on it. So we want you to work with these groups. We want you to work with the Atlantic Council, the Brookings Institution, uh, Stonebridge, Albright Stonebridge, or West Exec or this Moran group, and a whole bunch of other politicians 
that are green lighting the Biden agenda, right? And then they have these foundations and groups and partners that they cater to. Uh, whether it's a Raytheon corporation that's going to get a contract or whatever it is. But eventually what happens is the billions of dollars then get sent. Uh, well, the calls are made. Okay, we, we are going to hire you as a consultant. We are going to hire you as a lobbyist. We are going to hire you as a, you know an entity, a PR firm. So they have the green screens and the cameras and all that stuff that we know that Zelensky is doing, right? We know that he's doing all of that PR stuff. So who are the PR firms that are getting the millions, if not billions of dollars, millions, to to issue PR for in, on behalf of the Ukrainians, Ukrainians? It's going to be people that are that you know. Not you particularly, but it's going to be a Biden's daughter's friend. It's going to be a politician that has some power. It's going to be a Hunter Biden or a James Biden or an offshoot of something that they're doing. So, you know, laundering is not just so linear. Like, for example, if I'm a consultant and I come to a PR firm, and I say, I can get you the Ukrainian contract to make the Ukrainian war look like Zelensky's the victim. And it will be worth hundreds of millions of dollars to you. But you're going to have to pay me a consulting fee of, say, a million dollars a month. <laughs> you know? And you're going to get a hundred million dollars. It's only going to cost you $12 million for a year, a year. But you're going to get $100 million in PR contracts. And we're not allowed to audit. We're not allowed to know. And so this is how this game is being played. Remember when Fauci, Rand Paul and Fauci was talking about how many people got paid off by the pharmaceutical companies for trying their drugs? And Fauci called it royalties. He called it royalties, didn't he? Remember that. What's the difference between a royalty and a kickback? Any guesses? Nothing is the answer. How about this one? Lobbying. What's the difference between lobbyists paying politicians through their organizations and foundations and perks and pay to play? What's the difference? And if you're a Lindsey Graham, you're going to get a bigger fee because you could you have a lot more sway in the Senate. But if you're a small potato and we just need your vote, you'll get something too. You'll get maybe $25,000. But that adds up. Throughout the course of a year, if you get 10 of those, that's a quarter mil. Right? And there's a lot more shady business going on here. Now, I'm going to have you listen to this one because this is interesting. Elon Musk retweeted this, and he thought it was an interesting theory. But this is about liquid natural gas and 
a conservative party in Germany called AFD that involves Ukraine energy. Let's take a listen. Hey, I'm making this video about Germany's AFD party on the off chance that Elon Musk sees this. There's a whole sort of geopolitical intrigue around the German AFD party that nobody really is privy to unless you study the blob, you know, the, the U.S. foreign policy blob around the State Department, the Defense Department and the IC that you just have to know about because so much about Internet censorship, the history of it comes out of this attempt to quell this party and related movements all over Europe. So the German AFD party, and, and by the way, just as a backstory, I just saw that Elon Musk got accused by somebody of you know, being like a sympathizer for this party, the AFD, alternative for Deutschland. It's a populist party in, in Germany. And Elon Musk responded that he didn't know AFD from a hole in the ground. And so here, let's cover that hole. So when the migrant crisis popped off in Europe, 2013, 2015, that is what gave rise to this whole right-wing populist movement in Europe, the Brexit vote in the UK, Marine Le Pen a populist party on the right in France, Matteo Salvini in Italy, the Vox party in Spain, the Greek National Party in Greece, and its iteration essentially in Germany was something called the Alternative for Deutschland, AFD. And you know the knock on them is that they're racist or they're anti-Semitic or hate speech or misogynist or anti. They have they they try to hit them with these hate speech predicates for a long time for wanting to basically close the border uh, in, into Europe. But that's not what's going on here. You have to understand, just like this hate speech predicate is almost never what they say it is. There's almost always a geopolitical reason and they're shoehorning it in to create a censorship predicate to kill their popularity online and thus kill them as a politically viable institution since they don't have mainstream media support. It's all about the LNG, okay? Liquefied natural gas, the gas market, okay? That's the story of AFD. That's the story of the State Department's involvement, the Biden family's involvement, and the entire internet censorship Starting, Europe all grew out of, okay, let me take a step back. In 2016, when, the, when Trump won the election on November 8th, 2016, all these State Department people uh, thought they were all going to get promotions when Hillary Clinton won the election to, uh, to join, join basically the National Security Council in the White House. They all thought they were going to get promoted because Hillary was going to win. Instead, the 90 to 10 underdog Trump ends up winning and they all get fired. So they, this, this State Department network had just done a roadshow in Europe to, to, to be the sanctions coordinators to get all the European countries to sanction Europe after the Crimea annexation in 2014. So from 2014 to 2016, they were all up on Europe to, to get them to cut their own legs off to sanction Russia. When they lost the 2016 election, and the Brexit vote also happened just months earlier, they did that same dirty diplomats cabal roadshow to Europe, but this time, instead of getting them to do sanctions, to get them to do censorship. And this culminated in August 2017 with the passage in Germany of something called NetsDG. NetsDG was this sprawling, first of its kind, Western world internet censorship law that effectively required artificial intelligence content moderation to take down speech within 48 hours or else face a $54 million penalty 
from, from uh, the German government for doing this. So if, you, if, if Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Reddit and anyone wanted to do business in Germany, they had to have AI censorship techniques implemented on their platforms. Okay, that's the origin of that. And that wasn't Germany's idea. That was a US State Department, UK foreign office operation. And one of the things you have to understand is the grand Ukraine energy play here is you pri- is you know all of the all of the Russian gas that used to come into Europe. It used to be 100% of their natural gas. Now it's down to like, well, until recently, it was down to like 35% because of a decade and a half of energy diversification, basically strong arm diplomacy that was done. But the, the whole play was if you privatize Ukraine's assets, their gas assets, particularly NAFTA gas, the state gas company, but then all the little private ones like Burisma, you get them in Wall Street and London stakeholder hands. So you take a, the, the publicly held nut, you know, the, the, the entire revenue generator of Ukraine, which is the transit point for, for the Russian gas, if you privatize it so that it's, it's US State Department essentially profits, or the stakeholders, but it's no longer held by the government. Now it's privately held by us. But then you kill Gazprom and, and force imports of Houston LNG or Shell LNG in London. You run it through, through ports either in Spain, Portugal, or Poland, which became the big one. They, they connected the, the uh, network in Poland so that you could ship in through the, through the Baltic and then just keep the same gas transit architecture into Central Europe from there, then, then you would have hundreds of billions of windfall profits because you become the monopoly supplier by, by kicking out the cheap Russian gas, which is, which is orders of magnitude cheaper than having to ship it across the Atlantic Ocean coming from the Permian Basin. The problem is AFD, the, this German populist party, is a workers' party. It's a workers' movement. It's a lower and, and lower middle class uh, movement of, of people who, you know, one of their planks, just like with the MAGA movement in, in the US and just like with Marine Le Pen's in France and the whole litany, is that the energy prices were insane, the cost of living was too high, Russia was offering cheap gas, so just, we got these Nord Stream pipeline, the second Nord Stream pipeline online, they, they wanted this, this cheap energy from Russia, and that the entire State Department grand Ukraine energy play and all of what the stakeholders had been banking on for a decade before that, especially in, in 2014, 2015. BlackRock made a huge move into LNG. Hunter Biden was personally nut-riding the entire in, like industry ecosystem. He was on the board of Burisma, along with Covert Black, former 30 years at the CIA. That whole Devon Archer, the whole Biden family corruption is about the LNG market. And that only happens if Russia's kicked out and AFD, they're being called, oh, hate speech, hate speech, it has nothing to do with that. It's the cold, hard cash of the LNG market. That's what it's all about. And you can read up on the Integrity Initiative documents where they plotted this whole thing secretly. Ann Applebaum, Ben Nimmo, Peter Pomerantsev, Bill Browder, that whole network. So much was dedicated to the fact that AFD was crushing it in the polls. And if they won, then it kills the entire grand Ukraine energy play. So, so, so everything that you're seeing around this, because understand Germany is the industrial powerhouse of Europe, okay? If they turn populist, then, then the entire foothold goes. So that's why they're going after Elon Musk on this. And Elon Musk doesn't necessarily, I don't blame him for not knowing, you know, AFD for, from a hole in the ground. But the reason they're coming at him from this angle is because that's the center of the op in Europe.
Wow. Now that is very interesting indeed. And Elon Musk retweeted that and said, interesting theory. Like he, he acknowledged it is bingo. You know, he was basically saying, yeah, that's what's going on. But Elon Musk has a, a conflict as well because Elon Musk is all electric and all green and AFD is not. So there's a conflict. See, there's two prongs going on with Elon Musk. He's being censored by his own team. Because the globalists' movement is all about electric. So they love Tesla. And Ukraine is begging for his Starlink satellite phones. And he has leverage there. But Twitter, and there's new censorship rules and laws that are just unbelievable in Europe right now. And they're only censoring one side. They're censoring the conservative voice. And this is a real problem. It's a big problem, actually. You know, um, there's a lot of interesting... Um, like, I just want to share this with you. Couple of uh, tweets. Ridgeline Partners, West Exec Consultants, U.S. Secretary of State Blinken at U.N. Security Council. Russia has repeatedly violated Minsk agreements. Our information is Russia will invade Ukraine in the coming days, planning terrorist attacks within Russia. This was in 2022. He wrote that, but someone wrote that. But the point is they got out of the Minsk agreements because they, they wanted the conflict. How the present Ukraine conflict is tied to uh, Donald Tr J. Trump impeachment. Perfect phone call for Zelensky. No quid pro quo. Um, basically, you got the spies, CIA spies. You got Jeffrey Pyatt and and uh, Victoria Nuland meddling with everything. You got Biden and Zelensky joined at the hip. They're globalists. Um, but here is interesting. The Biden administration, 2021, the CFR group on the Biden team, Kamala Harris, vice president, uh, CFR through family, Harvard, DLA Piper, Uber through family, Anthony Blinken, secretary of state, CFR member, Harvard and Columbia West exec, right? Lloyd Austin, the D secretary of defense, West exec, Raytheon. And you can go on, Janet Yellen. CFR, Yale, and Harvard, and Brookings. It's all connected. These, all these higher elites are connected to this globalist, uh, warmongering, uh, military-industrial complex. Well, hey, we're at the end of the show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, be sure to check out magapack.org. Make a donation if you can. If you would like to see, uh, hear Scott Adams' show, Commercial free, make a donation over at magapack.org. Also, use Red State over at mypillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up.